Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Julie. Hi, I'm Julie, compulsive overeater, 100 pounder, very happy to be here. I have some pictures. It's great to see people who I know and haven't seen for a while, and great to see some actual bodies of people's faces that I've only seen in Zoom. Um, And one of the amazing things about this program for me and walking into the rooms that I really, really got during the pandemic when I was going to meetings in Israel and Australia and Wisconsin, you know, foreign (laughs) countries, um, that I didn't know anyone there and I knew everyone and everyone knew me. And it's such, such a wonderful relief. Um, and, and for those of you who have heard me before, laugh at all the same jokes, please. So, um, I, uh, growing up, I knew that I was wrong, that my body, my being was wrong. And in those pictures, the first picture there, I'm nine, I'm in a little bathing suit. That's the day that I learned shame of my body. When my mom, it's like one of those with a little apron, you know, thing. And she goes, these are great because they cover. You know, it's probably a throwaway remark or whatever, but man, that's burned in my brain. Um, so I just, my, my parents were uh, pretty narcissistic. And um, I think my mom was definitely a restrictor. She said one day that she goes, well, if I eat breakfast, I'll just eat all day. And my dad um, was extremely um, fixated on my weight and my size. And it was just always, 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 always like that. And my food was always watched. Um and restricted, and I just, I, I don't know, looking at pictures of myself as a, as a little girl, if I was big or not, some friends go, you look kind of like a normal, you know, but I can't see it, because I was definitely, definitely not normal, so I grew up, I never say I was raised, because that would mean that there was some kind of guiding hand, (laughs) but I grew up. Like my brother and I, I say we were free-range children, and um, my parents divorced when I was really little. We went back and forth. I had different step-siblings and two evil stepmothers, and and just a lot of insanity, and a lot of my parents putting us, I always say, I mean, my brother and I were so close, but putting us in peril, in real peril, and... um, some, somehow he survived, and I suppose it was the food that was where I could go. 
And it was the thing that was always there and always with me, although I was total secret, secret eater. Um, my dad, I grew up mostly with my dad and um, the deals, the promises, right? You know, I'll pay for tennis lessons. I'll do this. I'll do that. One time he told me um, he'd pay for grad school if I lost weight. He said, uh, do something for me and I'll do something for you. So how that was about him, um, I didn't know. But the message that I got loud, loudly and clearly um, was that unless my body was acceptable, I was not acceptable and certainly not worth loving. I mean, that was really clear to me. Um, and that's, I mean, even now, like, I mean, weight and relationships, weight and relationships are just always there and inextricably one for me. Um, I, you know, fat girls didn't get dates. That was just it. And as I grew up, you know, I, I would see that large people had relationships, but, but not for me. That was not allowed for me. So I had a life of diets, um, and it, it was just like my food was always different. Like there was a one family situation, me and my brother, my two evil stepsisters, and I, you know, I was the only kid who was allowed diet soda. And like, you know, so stuff like that, and I, I realized years later why I'd much, like I, I still don't like really going to someone's home to eat. And it took me a long time to realize why I'd rather go to a restaurant. Because at a restaurant, they just give you the food. They don't care who you are. But at home, every plate of food that was handed to me had judgment written all over it. Um, and the sugar. Woo! I don't, do we mention food here? Anyway, brown, sugary, gooey stuff. Um, it's, uh, it, it's amazing to think about all of that now and um, who I was and what I did and the diets and the nutritionists and, you know, the shots in the butt and the, you know, packaged foods and, and all of that. And, and I just, you know, I went through, there were definitely times where I just gave up. I'm like, I'm not dieting anymore. And then, of course, I went huge. But I was a sneak eater. Um, a lot of sweets, which I'm, I am paying for now in all of my dental work of, you know, mainlining sugar and not taking care of myself. Um, and I remember like I, one of my friends in college was like, I don't understand. We like, we don't see you eat. You're always getting a salad. It's like, that's right. And you never will. Cause that's, you know, that's the sneakness. Um, so I, I was fairly high-functioning, I felt. Um, you know, I went to the school of my choice. I, I did really well. I started a career that I wanted. Um, but, I, you know, I was 
pretty miserable and depressed as as a human being. And I I first um, went to OA. I was living in New York, and um, I met this dude on the subway. So that tells you like that that you know high class, right? So anyways, he he was in AA. And he, I used to call him my foul weather friend because he, he, he'd show up when it was raining and fuck me and then leave and, you know, <laughs> like that was his fault. Um, so he told me about OA. And so I wandered into a, a meeting and I was kind of shocked. I mean, I don't remember any, so this was in the mid-80s. I don't remember anyone really talking about steps and sponsors and working the program, but I think I just might have been so blinded. Um, and I, I went for a while, and that was St. Mark's Place, you know, New York. That was pretty rough. And um, the one thing that it did, though, is because I looked around and I saw anorexics, and I was like, huh, what are you doing here? I mean, I didn't know that it was that it was part and parcel of the same thing. Um, and I had to get over some of that resentment because, you know, it was like, well, if I only had that, at least I'd be thin. And that, that was the glamorous disease. That was the disease they did after school specials about. Um, so that was, that was really, uh, that was eye-opening for me. So, uh, Cut to, I moved, I moved to L.A. in the uh, early 90s, and um, I did wander into another meeting, Serenity Sunday, and I took a newcomer chip because uh, the secretary was cute and I got a hug, and, um, but that, that, I had, I had more research, as they say, to do. So I researched my way up to about... 225 or two, I mean, that was the last kind of weigh-in, but I, looking at some other pictures, I, it, I had to be out to 240 or so. Oh, sorry, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So when I was 25, I did a Nutrisystem for a year. And, I mean, I was always a good dieter, because I, because I follow rules, because I'm a good girl. Um, you know, until I go AWOL, and then we all know, forget about it. So I was, um, I got down to about the size I am now at 25, and I was like, oh my God. I mean, it was the first time like, I could actually share clothes with my mom. That was weird. And, um, but you know what? I didn't get the job I wanted. I didn't get the guy I wanted. I didn't get all those things that had been promised to me. If you only lose weight, all the world will open up. And I thought, I worked this hard just to get to zero? Just to get on a level playing field? I remember my dad asking me once, you know, I told him that, and he goes, what made you think that? <laughs> you and everyone else in the world. So that was it. I was, I was, I was off the reservation. I gained weight so quickly that people in my office building thought I was pregnant. Um, and so, all right, 
coming back to me, coming back to LA. Sorry. So, because all my problems had to do with weight, right? And so then, if I get thin and I still have these problems, how how how's that happening? And 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 if that's the case, then there must be really something wrong with me. Um. And it just, I mean the. The pains, the not being able to stop, the Monday, you know, Monday thing. Um, and I just, I didn't understand what crime against humanity I had committed being in a large body. Um, so I get to my mid-40s, and I've had it. So I went, and this is, this is my story. Um, so I decided to have surgery. And I did a lot of research. And um, it's funny. Sometimes, like, in a small decision, I'll ask, like, 18 people what I should do. But, like, a really big decision, that's, you know, I'll just do it. Um, and I decided, I decided to do it. I didn't have another diet in me. I didn't have another failure in me. Um, you know, I'd had suicide ideations, depression, you know, I'm on antidepressants, which I, for me, they work great. Um, and so I went and had, I had room and why, uh, gastric bypass surgery in 2004. And um, I, I had the most drastic one, you can't undo it. And I remember when when I told my dad I was doing it, um, he was he was thrilled and offered um, to help me out financially. I said, no, this is mine. I'm taking this back. Um, now, miracle of miracles, I had a fabulous relationship with both my parents. I mean, super, super close, which is the power of forgiveness. Um, and, you know, however, it still, you know, progressed. When I was getting my, my condo, this was before the surgery, everyone was like, well, you know, isn't your dad going to help you out with the down payment? I'm like, is that the law? Is that like scripture? Like, I, I don't, you know, I didn't ask and he didn't offer, but I thought, if a house would make me thin, he'd buy me a mansion. Um, it took me a long time, though, to, to forgive him and see his point of view. That, you know, he saw his daughter being miserable, and he didn't know what else to do. And it took me a long time to to get there. Um, so I did the surgery. Didn't, I, know a lot, I know people have had complications and problems. I would do it again in a heartbeat. That's my story. But a year later, I lost 99 pounds because it wasn't perfectly 100. Um, but as we say in the, in the surgery circles, they operated... On, they didn't operate on my brain, right? I still had the crazy brain and still had obsessive, you know, brain and still thinking, well, it wasn't enough and, 
you know, you know, you, you lose that much weight, you got some skin action going on, and I'm like, look at my thighs, they're still so huge, you know. Um, and I came into program, and I haven't left since then. Um, and I found, it took me a while, but I found really, really what, what I needed. I mean, it's pretty amazing. But in the beginning, I went to meetings, I shared, I tell newcomers, don't do what I did right away, which was not get a sponsor for a long time. I did not get a sponsor for a long time because who could handle me? And I don't know how to ask for help. Um, and when I would finally, like, screw up my courage and ask someone, they were full. And then literally someone um, shared from the podium that they were looking for a sponsee. And by the end of the meeting, when I got to her, she was already, she already had one. So I'm like, so I, you know, they say find someone who has what you want. And I found someone who, and she had what I wanted, which was availability. And so that was enough. And she took me through, uh, through to step 11. And she was a little too mean. And uh, so I backed away. Uh, it took me a while again to find someone, and then I did. I mean, I heard my complete and total story from Podium, and she's been my incredible, amazing sponsor ever since. So, in my abstinence, well, the day when I had the surgery, I gave up flour and sugar. I'm like, I ate a lifetime of that. And, it, and it's been like that. And it's a miracle that there's, that that's not a problem, right? It's not an option. It's not a problem. It just doesn't exist. I've baked for my family. I've cut, you know, birthday cakes with frosting all over my fingers. The fact that it goes nowhere near my face still astounds me. Um, and where am I? Um, so I, I worked with my sponsor, I kept coming back, and yet I had gained weight in abstinence, or as my grand sponsor coined it, abstinish. Um, and I decided that it wasn't what I wanted. And so um, my sponsor got onto sober eating. And so she got me onto that. So I weigh and measure, which I never wanted to do. Um, I, I commit my food. Again, I, I thought, well, well, anytime I've had to, like, log my food and what I ate, it made me even that much more obsessed. But then again, I hadn't been in program when I did that. Um you know, and, and so there's, like, a lot of things that I was, you know, rebelling against or thinking I'd never do in program. It's like, well, I didn't have a program. I didn't have all this other stuff to help and, and back me up. So I do that. So I weigh and measure. I wanted a weight loss abstinence. I, um, I commit my food beforehand. If I'm going to make a change, I've got to tell her, um, you know, so I'll text that to her. If I'm going to, like, really go, like, into a danger zone, 
then I really have to talk to her, and that keeps me from wanting to do that. Um, and and with that, I was able to knock off about another thirty, which um, which is where I am now, and I'm really comfortable in my body. The fact that there aren't like four X's on my labels is is insane to me still to this day. Um, and I know it was programmed because at that point I like to say I, I'm like a uh, 62 year old postmenopausal woman who does not exercise. So scientifically, I should not be able to lose any weight, right? But through program. And during that time is when I also got a uh, spiritual awakening. So the combination of uh, sober eating, doing a daily 10 step, and I took a big book workshop. Okay, Ooh, better go. So I'm going to talk about God now. Um, so. And that, that's where I had the spiritual awakening, because me and God, not on good terms. Um, and, you know, it's like, you know, where you been, dude? Where you been all my life? Um, not good. It was like Lucy with the football. Um, and there was a show, used to have a, a show on TV that had this questionnaire that they'd ask. And the last question was, if, if God exists, you know, what do you want him to say when you get to the pearly gates? And my knee-jerk reaction was, I'm sorry. That's God apologizing to me. Okay, so so we're reading uh, We Agnostics. Because I just couldn't, I just couldn't fathom. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. God, Hitler, babies dying. What, how, how does all that exist? And in, in, we Agnostics, on page 50, you know, it says there's a wide variation and concepts of higher power, whether we agree or not. I mean, it's talking about someone who's kind of going through these same machinations. And then it says, experience has taught us that these are matters about which, for a purpose, we need not be worried. That completely galvanized me, the three little words, for our purpose. That's when I said, what's my purpose? My purpose is to recover. I can do all the mental masturbation I want. It's not going to help me recover. And that, that's what my purpose is. And that really, that just like, bing. Um, and that was like 12 years in or so, the program. So, you know, it takes what it takes. And then recently, um, probably about maybe four months ago, I say like I had another awakening where, again, I was having problems with God. What, you know, does God really want me to be alone? How many lessons, you know, after each breakup, like, how many lessons do I have to learn? What's going on? I felt like it was like he's, like, teasing me, like, I'm going to get you close. Ha, ha, ha. And, and I thought, well, I mean, if God is something that's got my back and wants the best for me, and I, I don't think that's the case. You know, you hear, like, God doesn't make things happen, but it's there for you when things happen. And I was well, like, yeah, he gets all the credit and none of the blame. <laughs> um, and then I just, I realized, you know, what's God's will for me is to recover. 
And I had to make it that singular um, and that simple for it to be completely constant for me. Um, and uh, that's that has given me such serenity, such peace, such a radical acceptance um, that, I mean, right now I got a lot of stuff going on um, in the past couple of years. Um, you know, right, it's not, it wasn't God's will that that dude couldn't get his crap together and want want a relationship more than he wanted to be in his craziness. That wasn't God's will. But it's God's will that I didn't go, like, sleep with both Ben and Jerry, right? Um, you know, it's it's it wasn't God's will that my parents would die eight, eight days apart. Um, but it was God's will that I that I was not face down in a bowl of something. And that's that really works for me. That is really, really working for me. Um, and I mean, even now, I mean, it's the promises do come true. I used to think, oh, they'll come true for you, but not for me. And and it's not like they all are come true at the very same time, all the time. And it's like reading the promises where I kind of learned like the real meaning of for today. And that's fine. You know? I I my whole outlook on life will change. And for today. Maybe not tomorrow, but when it's tomorrow, I'll figure that out. Um so it it's this is amazing stuff. And the miracles are are small and huge at the same time. You know, I, I just took a flight up to Monterey. I can sit in the seat. You know, I, I didn't even know there were, like, seatbelt extenders until I heard people talking about them. It's like I suffered for, you know, a long time on that. But that I eat three meals, I, you know, that that's a miracle. Because I used to just have one all day long. Um and and it it is it's just it's incredible. And so now, I mean, today I go to four meetings a week. Um, I've got service commitments in all of them. I do a daily tenth step. I sponsor. Um, so I use one day. I thought I'm I'm not using any of the tools. It's like no, you know. Um, and when I I would come in here and I would hear people say um, that abstinence is the most important thing in their life. And I'm like, really? Like, that's how small your life is? Like, what a loser? Um, and so now I'm one of those. I, you know, I'm one, I'm one of those losers in, in more ways than one. And what abstinence does for me, it's also like what antidepressants did for me, is like, my crap is on one side, and I'm on the other. And there's this dense fog in between. And absence lifts the fog so I can get to the other side and figure stuff out. And it's, it's a daily, daily 
practice of figuring stuff out. And the tools, for me, the tool of the fourth step is fabulous. After every breakup, I do a fourth step. Um, I actually did a fourth step on my thighs, and that was really great. <laughs> it's a totally different reaction. Um, and in the pictures, like the first one is a bathing suit, and the last one is a bathing suit, and that was a couple years ago. And I was like, I can walk into a normal store and be treated like a normal person um, and, and, and buy a bathing suit without feeling shameful. Again, it's, it, it's the miracles. It's the miracles. And um, I love this program. I never thought I'd say that. So there's all this stuff that I thought I knew. Right when I walked into the rooms, that I'm, I'm really happy to have been proved wrong on those. Um, without abstinence, I, 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 I don't have anything else, and um, that's my deal. Thank you. I think I have okay. Any questions? Yes. Thank you very much. Do you think that you'll ever get past that feeling of amazement at your body and the sizes and that sort of thing and being able to shop at regular stores? I don't think so. I mean, it's... it's. Oh, oh yeah. If, if I'll ever get over the amazement at, at the size of clothes I wear and, and my body and stuff. Um, no, and if I, if I do... If I get too smug or comfortable, then I'm in trouble. Um, you know, so, I mean, I've been a few pounds less uh, than I am now. I'm kind of at the mid-highish range of my limit. Um, but I'm comfortable, and my clothes have an S on them. Like, who ever thought that could happen? Uh, the question is, is acceptance a public acceptance or self-acceptance? Self-acceptance had to come first. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I walk down the street. Okay, I don't get stairs. You know, I don't. I remember when I was losing weight and I was in this restaurant and I was getting up and I was like, why isn't that person moving their chair in so I can get by? Mm -hmm. and it was like, well, they didn't need to, but but that doesn't matter. It's it's got to be it's got to be in me. I've got to accept myself and the, the acceptance of of the world out there. You know that that's what happens. You know, and and here I am. Thank you and welcome. Thank you. It is now time for our seventh tradition. While we have no dues or fees, we do have expenses for this meeting.